What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Plate Stack Chat. As usual, you've got myself, Tom, you've got Sam, you've got Jason, and delighted to still have with us for another week. We've got Kyle Russell, the director of What on a Lot. Kyle, how's it going? Very good, guys. Excellent. If anyone didn't listen to last week's episode, we had a great chat talking about kind of unusual movements and activities from whether it be kind of shooting as we, you know, the, the archetypal uh, situation, but more specifically talking about kayaking, which we know is at Wad on the Lock, but also the CrossFit Games, and then thinking about weird and wonderful things we might like to see in the future, everything from how we might implement a climbing wall to just getting some one-on-one uh, -on -one wrestling action. So Mud I wrestling in your pants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. a, Can you imagine getting your nobles muddy? I don't think they'll ever, it'll never catch on. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, can't uh, I can't tell if that's an innuendo or not <laughs> <laughs> but yeah do listen to that episode it's it's a great one but what we did dabble a lot in last episode was really about how we might go or how one how someone might go about trying to execute that thinking about the programming thinking about the logistics how do you score it how do you make it uh, entertaining for your spectators um enjoyable or a test for your competitors so that really brings us nicely into what i, I wanted us to have a chat about this week which is the uh the the worries the woes and the uh the details of of kind of running uh running a competition or planning a competition or simply helping a competition um i think we all here have uh varying degrees of experience with that i know i've uh i've volunteered jason was on the mic at the british team and masters championships the crossfit British Teen and Masters Championships this last mm. week. Sam is never far away from a microphone or a set of decks at, at competitions. And uh, Carl, if I've not made it clear already, as director of What on the Lock, <laughs> you have probably lost many nights, many hours of sleep, kind of worrying about the grand design of a competition. Yeah. Lost years of my life. <laughs> Sprouted grey hairs. Yeah. But I mean, I guess... The youngest like, person on this podcast... Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I look like I've grown up at the bottom of a hill. <laughs> it's all just because I wasn't the lock. I used to model before this. <laughs> I'm just a haggard old man. It's yeah. either uh, that or it's the two kids under two, one of the two of them. Yeah. There we go. Well, you've got you've got some empathy uh, and some some uh, some fellow fathers on on the podcast with you yeah. in, in Sam and Jason. <laughs> so uh, they 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 know all about that as well. Yeah. So yeah. I think they do podcasting because they've got a soundproof room that they can just close themselves in. <laughs> I don't know why you don't oh, do it after eight. Yeah. I wish. I wish. <laughs> so I mean, I've 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 thrown the conversation right open. There's so many different topics. I, I guess if I start with myself, like I've I've volunteered at kind of a battle cancer event, you know, which is a big mass participation event, and I was just doing athlete control. And so my main experience is on like on the day logistics of just trying to make it's like herding cats right trying to make yeah. sure like everyone is where they need to be and when um but making that possible has got two sides to it there's setting up the equipment or setting up the barricades and knowing where things are going to be but i guess and Kyle, you'll know the most about this is but having a vision in your mind before the event even starts weeks months before about where's your athlete control area going to be mm -hmm where are your competitions going to take place? Because I think as a consumer, and I still see myself as mainly a consumer, you turn up, you've paid your fee, 
and you want it all to run smoothly and you don't really yeah. think about the amount of effort <laughs> that goes in yeah. both from the organizers and the volunteers yeah uh so what is what's the specific question like just how do you play that out like the actual those areas and those types of things yeah yeah i think i think so like i mean i guess probably the people listening here are not planning to organize competitions but no, yes the intent is really for people to have a bit more of an idea of like so with what on the lock i mean you mentioned 2019 on the episode before yeah. right so it was years in the making is that right yeah. yeah so like when you just i think what you said there was interesting right just in terms of you have have been involved in an event where you were part of like helping with the athlete control and you know so you've had a glimpse of of the what it takes to do that and what it what goes on behind the scenes and then like but to try and explain that to someone like to try and um you can't really stress it to someone unless they've, unless they've been part of it like it's, it's impossible to try and um i just just to, to get someone to properly empathize with what goes into to, to a competition that really is like you think it's one weekend but it's not. It's like a full year, at least for Wadden Lock. It was two years, two years in the making. Um, but like, yeah, it's it's at least a full year's worth of work. The stuff that goes on. Um, but but at the same time, if someone's paying money to come to a competition, like I, I yeah, I appreciate that they want it to run on time. They want it to 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 be done a certain way. So because I compete myself, and um, you do, you notice it. You notice when something doesn't go right, um, and it it can ruin the day or it can't sometimes it can sometimes it can't but like um, you don't want anything especially if you're an rx athlete who maybe is quite takes things quite seriously um it, it can it can just be the smallest thing i mean it, it depends on what your mindset like is like and how how much grit or resilience you have to, to outside influences i suppose but if you um it can for some people it can be the smallest slightest of, of things that goes wrong and Although, from a coach's standpoint, that shouldn't be the thing that ruins your weekend. From an organizer of an event standpoint, <laughs> they, they let you know. <laughs> they let you know. <laughs> like, um, I used to think people were really nice, actually, um, generally, until you start running a competition and then you find out, <laughs> I don't know how much PG-13 you're uh, what I can say, what if I can swear, but like, oh man, people are... But we've understood why Kyle wants everyone to fight each other at these events. That's suddenly become crystal clear. Yeah. yeah. Kyle wants to fight to the death. So yeah, hopefully we weed out those sorts of people. Yeah. And I could just I could just pull the strings in the outside and say, well, you are really annoying. You messaged me 35 times asking the same question. So you're going to be put up against this person who was a wrestler in high school. You're going to get a boxer in high school. Yeah. He'll be. Your, your yeah, yeah that's true. I, I guess to like try and simplify it, I suppose, like for Joe Public that listens is like, well, I'm not running yeah. an event. It's I, I guess it's the same thing of like writing your own programming, right? Like we all go, we all train, we we've seen the whiteboard, we get it. Yeah. <clears throat> now go and write your own workout, and yeah. you'll find that this workout, like you thought you thought that would be quite easy or a good sim, and you haven't realized that actually, like this this movement that maybe this muscle group is the main focus, the kind of the auxiliary muscles being used are the same ones that you've just used here. And you kind of tack yeah. and you, you kind of, it, it didn't work the way you imagined it would because you don't yeah. have maybe that whole picture. 
yeah. versus somebody who's like, well, I've written the programming this way because I know that you're going to do this and it's going to trigger that. And then moving on yeah. to this will give you, you know, like, and I think it's the same with the event. Yeah. You look at the event as it's five workouts. What's the problem? Like I, I could write five workouts and then it's like, okay, well, yeah. how long is this workout? How long is that heat going to be? How much time is it going to yeah. be between this and the next one? Logistically, yeah. if all of this equipment ends up at the far end of this field, who's bringing all of that back? for the next heat there's like so many yeah. little pieces that so much people yeah so that's a really good comparison i think that's a, that's a really good comparison because i love programming and uh it is one of those things that it, there is so much minutiae involved in a in good programming anyone can can chuck some workouts together um anyone could even like with a basic knowledge can go right we're going to have this on this day and we're going to split certain things up and you can looking at a different like a, a few different you know, different programming. Um, you can you can probably work out a structure. You can do all that, but to actually get results and actually not like you say over program or under program in certain areas, you, you really it, there's a lot that goes in, that goes into it. So as a good comparison, because it's even more of a of a jigsaw puzzle when you're putting an event together. I think like it's so easy for the games athletes to commentate on what Dave Cashel does like at the games and obviously yeah, he, he, he'll be the first to admit that certain events he hasn't got right um, and you know oh that would be in testing this went this way or that went that way and obviously then especially with him he sometimes can't even get out to the to the actual um, like to Madison or something like that to test certain events until the week of and then he's testing stuff like and it, there's not very much room for manoeuvre on it and how much what he can adapt and change um, I'm lucky in this respect that lots of states are great with us. We can, I can go out there and I can take. So, like we we do a testing every year now. So this we've just done our, our second year's testing for the outdoor events. Uh, well, they're all outdoor. Sorry for the for the more obscure events that can't be really tested in the gym. We've done we've just done some testing for that. Um, and lots of states are great with that. Like I think, I mean, the first event last year was a mountain trail run. I think I ran up that mountain six times. Including including the Saturday morning at five o'clock in the morning to, to put a marker down for the type for the you know for the the precision timing kit guys it was like so that, that it's quite I can go I can go to unless it's only an hour's drive and I can go and uh and, and practice certain events and test them and stuff like that but the logistics is involved in that like even just that one event you know finding the exact right distance and then working it out um, depending on how many athletes you're going to have and then the logistics involved in that. Um, working out the distance and, and then the average, you know, so getting a testing team involved um, that ranges in skill level um, from your skilled athletes all the way through to your high level RX athletes. And even within that, having a variation of, of skill sets um, and then testing it to, to find an average, what you then expect, then setting time caps, like time caps, especially at live events are really important for things to run smoothly, but getting the right time caps so that people are actually getting tested and getting to do most of the workout if not all of the workout, these types of things, yeah, they're, they're, there's so much that goes it goes into it. It is, it is a, like a puzzle in terms of it's got to be a good test that completely tests the athletes probably, but it's also got to be good to watch. If you want the sport to, to progress, um, obviously he does in terms of at the tip of the spear for the CrossFit Games. But for me, like it's, it's good for my event in terms of atmosphere. It's a fitness festival, so there's loads of stuff, other stuff to do. I want loads of spectators at my event. I want it to be a really spectator heavy event where people are there screaming people on, people who don't. So I like if you look at the Filthy 150, there's a pretty much at, like 
the affiliates in, in Ireland closed down for that weekend because every single gym has has uh, people come, you know, people from their gyms at that at the that event. Um, it's so well represented. And that's what I want one the lock to be like. I want people from, I mean, obviously the whole of the UK, but it's like every gym in Scotland, I want someone. I mean, we we weren't far off that this year, to be fair. But like someone from every gym, as many if we can have the full gym from you know everyone at our event, um, then it's just going to be amazing. So you want that like spectator atmosphere but if you've got a massive humongous field with so this year we had 55 meters lanes you know um, and you've got someone doing oh i don't know thrusters here and then something here and then back and forth back and forth and, and you've got all this lane and then they finish that and they run to the finish line like it's not really that exciting there has to be a visual where you can see the, the progress like I had a lot of people this year, um, friends and family, um, as well as people who are obviously, so Lust is very, very tourist heavy. A lot of people come to, to Lust in the summer. We're right in the middle of the summer in July who come from, they're just, just tourists come to Lust and then they saw obviously all the signs. They came along, they poked their nose in and they wanted to go around the stalls and then they start watching the event to see what's happening. So if people have never came across CrossFit in their life, don't know what's going on, they just see all these people in the field working out. If you've got people moving down the field, then anyone can watch it. So like a friend of mine who actually my climbing partner, um, he came along with his missus and he was like, had never seen CrossFit, never watched any documentaries, never seen, but he was like, that's actually really good to watch. I can follow it along. And no, so that was great for me. That was great feedback for me. And I was, I was, I was really happy with that because that was what I wanted it to be like. That someone who doesn't, follow the sport could come along and be like oh i can see that that person's winning because they are further along down the field than that person so although the test itself has to be um you know a well-balanced event it's all you've also got to balance that with like i want it to then move down the field in such a way so that spectator friendly and people can see that person's progressing so there's a lot that just goes into just the program and the events themselves and then yeah like you say um tom about the, the equipment how does that work like if i've got the equipment placed here does that mean especially if it's heavy sandbags, does that mean I'm going to have to try and get judges and volunteers to lift those sandbags and move them back? What's the logistics involved in that? How long is that going to take to move that back there? So you've got to then structure the event in such a way that that stuff either gets moved there and back if someone's, you know, if the athletes are, you know, so they work there and back and the sandbag stays or you know, the barbell or whatever it is, or um, you have it in such a way that, that um, it's just that implement is in that one place and then they move from that implement to the next implement so it stays so that way you can have heat after heat without too much of a change there's obviously loads that just involved in the events themselves and that doesn't even that doesn't even take into consideration all the the actual structural and then you know other things i also think though that these can lead to really exciting moments when you watch it as well sometimes because they're forced to make decisions so maybe it is like a sandbag and they've got to get it to one end of this field and just because you're like I don't really want my volunteers to have to carry this sandbag all the way back. So I'm going to make them get it to this point on the field, turn around and bring it back. And that's where you'll have, you know, a kind of a close race. And the one person, he gets to the end of the field, he drops the sandbag, kind of shrugs out his shoulders to pick it back up. The other guy doesn't drop the sandbag. He turns straight away and he starts. And that's where you kind of get that, like, that almost thrill. of the Oh, I can't believe he didn't put it down. He's going, he's going to try and make it the whole way. Yeah. So when when used well, it can the kind of the, the constraints that you're forced into can actually play out to be beneficial and to make it a more interesting thing to watch. And, and even and even simple things like the, the chess piece that got 
kind of incorporated yes. a lot. So yes, yeah. because they were needing to use a rig or a wall or whatever, they, they have had to, to sort back. of stay here. Yeah. But progressing that chess piece, making it easy for somebody who's watching yep. to yep. to get it. And then I suppose even within the workouts themselves, like you know, we we've mentioned how boring the first event of the games was to watch. Yeah. But but it's kind of a necessary <laughs> test. And you you know, and you said last week, like, yeah, even if it had been a run or a cycle or whatever, yeah, a long event is always gonna eventually be boring to watch. Yeah. So you're kind of again having to balance the well, we need this kind, you know, we could do five workouts that are all so exciting to watch, but they're all so similar <laughs> like yeah they're, yeah they're all short sharp kind of it's very easy to see who's winning there's no problem yeah. but is it a good event probably not because it was very samey so again you're having to balance and then within a day like oh well we've only got this much time that people can do workouts and so we're limited to kind of how much time workouts can be yeah and time for them to have some rest in between or maybe time to run other heats or whatever you know depending on what's yeah. running there, there are so many pieces to to kind of have to maneuver in and it's very easy for someone to turn up and go yeah didn't really like that event though you know i don't understand why they did that yeah i think that's what we've seen about how the I, I like the whole um test it set the whole qualifiers and fi- like the finals event to be the programming to be a kind of almost like a whole thing because on that it's easier to test a longer event in terms of like a 20 minute Metcon in the qualifiers. You put that in the qualifiers, you still got then scope to, to test the other energy systems and those across those, you know, two or three workouts in the qualifiers. Yeah. You've got scope to do that, but it then means that that's one less type of event you have to run at the actual event. Because if you put on a 20 minute Metcon in a competition, um, which yeah, it might be a really good workout, phenomenal workout, and it might even move down the floor really well. But then you think 200 athletes, heats of 10, 20 minutes, you're, you're probably gonna have to put a 25, maybe 30 minute turnaround. Um, if you're putting a 20 minute 10 cap on it, even say you go 18 minutes and you put a two, you know, two minute turnaround on that, so 20 minutes, that's three heats, um, every three an hour, yeah, yeah, three an hour. Um, and then you've got 10, 200, that's 20 heats. Uh, divided by th- I about three, six hours, six and a half six hours. hours. Yeah, so you don't you're not leaving yourself much room for any other events. Like, do you know what I mean? So that's uh, it's all part of the puzzle. Like, we obviously did have the mountain trail run this year, um, but all the athletes went together. So you totally take that side of things out. This year coming um, on the swim event again, we big we had big heats because um, that was. I think that was like a 20 minute time cap on that um or like that was this kind of zone that we were looking for on that it becomes more difficult as well because the, the, the better you want the competition to be run so ideally I, I i've got big plans for the competition where i want it to be televised or like you know have some really good um like a stream or something like that so people can watch it obviously if we have everyone there and it's really great to have it great but like if you were able to grow to the size and if you were an affiliated event that and you had big names there that people wanted to watch but they couldn't obviously come like yeah if you could get some sort of stream or have have it televised we have up here bbc alba which is like a a really like a scottish uh, channel really that's you only really get in scotland um, and you get lots of weird, wonderful things on it. You'll get Shinty and you'll get all these different types of um, Gallic 
stuff that's up north in Ireland. Um, so if you were to have it televised on there, you're then getting people, capturing people's imagination that have never seen CrossFit before. So if we want to actually have that happen in the future, it need, the timing needs to be so precise, like to within the minute. Like it has to be, you know, if, if you see an event's going to start at this time, it has to start on that time. If it, one minute over, your, your television, everything's, you know, it starts to become really unprofessional. looking. so if, if we want to do that, you're then totally, you can't even, you can't even have an event Imagine having a swim event where you've got, uh, you've tested it. And the, like, for example, this year, you've got a range of times, ranging from 11, 12 minutes to the slowest maybe being 18 minutes. And you think, right, okay, that person that took 18 minutes was a really poor swimmer. Um, so we'll, I can't see many people being much slower than her. So we'll put a 20 minute, you know, turnaround time on that. So this year, I don't know, when I put 30 minutes, even going on that, I put 30 minutes. Um, and it was good in one sense because, you know, if you think, I think we had five heats at the swim um, this year. So, you know, you're looking at 30 minutes um, time slots, two and a half hours um, for that event. But I knew that more than likely there'll be heats that we finished in 15 minutes. So I thought like, yeah, okay, you've, you've, you've budgeted two and a half hours for that event. Um, but then more than likely you can get three an hour. You should be able to get three in an hour. But if you were doing it, when it was televised and you had this heat going on, you know, two o'clock, you had this heat going on 2.30, this one at three, this one at 3.30. If people finish earlier, you've just got a longer wait and it's, it becomes more boring for people watching and, and stuff like that. So you've got to become really precise and it's, it starts fine on a, on a field or in a, a gym where you've got time cap and, you know, when, when the time cap hits, you blow the whistle or whatever, you know, the, the buzzer goes and everyone stops what they're doing and you've got your two-minute turnaround, next heat goes. But if you're out in the water, and someone gets time capped and you're shouting, right, that's your time up. And you're halfway out in the middle of the lock and you're in the water. Like we had boats, this, uh, we had like, you had two, two ribs on the water and four safety kicks, but it, it's, it's logistically that's really difficult because then you've got to then lift them out the water and pull, take them back in, get the next people in. So um, yeah, that it becomes difficult. So there's so much more as if we, as we progress and become more professional, hopefully like, I mean, the timings this year, we, for a very first year, everything was bang on time. So that was great. But that was because we did it that way, where we had big, like much bigger slots than we needed. But if you were going to have it televised and it had to be done to the minute, um, that's going to have to be so so precise. That, it just becomes uh, a different event at that point, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Like uh, from what I could gather, the event this year was a real good spectator event. Like for people who were there, it was like yeah, electric. From that was a couple of people that I spoke to. Who were there said electric brilliant that's great to hear. um and the but then when you're televising an event it can become slightly less electric because of the constraints you have between the television or the you know the scheduling problems that you have uh-huh. it doesn't make the heats any less electric but it what it does is it kind of slows for the people live it kind of potentially slows that pace right back down again because when you're like I MC at quite a few comps and it, it's right. basically my job to keep the flow going. Yep. So like at 18 minutes, time cap goes, I have two minutes to get the people off, the next people on and get the heat going. That you yep. know, and that's essentially my complete job. Yeah. Um so you don't have anyone in the athlete area that's tech checking anyone and making sure that they, that they are, you know, so like do you so there's well, there's, so there'll be there'll be yeah. there'll be the athlete there'll be athlete control. So they'll have all the athletes there, yeah. but it, it'll be my job to make sure everyone gets off and and then say like right, let's yep. 
you know, let's announce the 10 lanes. These are all the yeah, people yeah. who are going to be here. Say hi to your yep. judge. We'll get it going, essentially, yep. is, is where it is, you know. Um, and then you, when if you had that televised, it wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily get that as much like like in the games I guess there's a lot of if you watch the games live there's a lot of just watching mm. an empty screen yeah, <laughs> yeah. watching the clock countdown yeah, from yeah like exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly and you're we like... get to hear all the ads as well we get to learn about whoop and ram and dodge <laughs> and monster energy and whoever else is <laughs> putting Did the you say monster energy Jay? I said it I said it Ooh. yeah I so said it we, we've spoken a lot like they're about kind of planning now it's planning the making sure it's a fair test of fitness but then also planning the kind of planning that fair test of fitness to be a spectacle and sam you started talking there about the kind of like experience on the day right you know and how having cameras there might change that for the life it might be a detriment to the live experience but for the benefit of the kind of recorded experience which maybe helps but that's a that's a whole kind of televised television televising of the sport sam one of the things i've picked up over the podcasts we've done like you've been involved in events outside functional fitness as well right so from your experience like the and maybe that's focus on the experience on the day how different i mean obviously the the events are different because there's a different spectacle on the stage or on the floor but are there other massive differences you felt in the kind of general feel of events within the crossfit community functional fitness community and other events you've been involved in um so it it depends it depends on what event so like um rugby so like events where there are two teams playing each other are obviously very different to events like in functional fitness where there are a hundred people all playing each other um or extreme sports where there's a you know there are 50 riders who are in a qualification and then like 10 of those riders get to get to the like get to go to the final and ride the and ride the park but i think for me like the functional fitness one is all is i find it uh more energizing because generally speaking any like anybody maybe i am generalizing here actually but anybody could get good at functional fitness if they you know if they applied themselves enough if you found the right coach not necessarily the same i will never be um, actually i will never be a pro crossfitter or whatever but for all functional fitness just because i probably don't have that body shape but a pro bmxer is very different to a pro athlete crossfitter if you if you will like so generally speaking, most people can ride a bike, right? That's that's a, almost a given. But not everyone can do a pull-up, say, right? So you're taking something that almost everybody can do, and then you go, right, well, I want you, I want you to do that, but I want you to, like, go up and down, and then I want you to, like, jump on the bike, and then, oh, and then I want you to, like, jump and spin the bike. You know, whereas if you, if you look at, like, functional fitness, I watched – the first time I ever watched the games, I thought – you know what i'd love to do that i'm gonna go do that that's the thing that i like doing you know and then and then you go to events and you're like this is insane because these people (laughs) i'm watching these people actually do it like live and it's amazing i don't i don't think that i love watching extreme sports i love watching you know cycling i love i love watching just generally watching sport 
but I don't think to myself, oh, do you know what? I'd love to be a professional footballer because you're then part of a team. Like I, I think to myself, you know what? I'd love to be Thor Bjornsson. I'd love to be Eddie Hall. I'd love mm-hmm. to go and lift heavy stuff and move it from one place to another, you know? And for me, that's the difference. Like, and maybe it's just a personal thing, but I feel like functional fitness is definitely more accessible. Like lower body eventually. Like yeah. if you, I, I agree with what you're saying. Not some, maybe not so much in the football because certain things like anyone can go and kick a football. Like, but I think with like any of those types of high skill stuff, if you're watching, uh, if I, even at the games, Are you like saying football's not high skill there, Kyle? Is that? Uh, <laughs> forget that. You... I, I actually was a footballer, so. I, <laughs> oh, there you go. I'm only, I'm only insulting myself. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's not so much that. It's more like the the technical aspect of the stuff. Like if you watch someone do downhill ski and you watch someone mm-hmm. do, like you say, BMX or something where there's, the things they're doing are crazy. Like they're mental. Yeah. Like people watch that and they go, wow. But they don't go, I'm going to go and try that. I'm yeah. going to go and get my bike and, and I'm going to just lie past the side of that, that, you know, building there or whatever and try this. Like no no one thinks, whereas like you, you said happened with yourself, you watch the CrossFit game and you think, I'm going to try that because it is, it's a lower barrier of entry. And then I was going to say, like, maybe not so much that the games, because obviously there are still higher scale limits for that, but even, <laughs> like we talked about last week, even even at that, um, you've got people, you know, they see them doing the freestyle and handstand push-ups and the next week everyone's trying it in their gym. Yeah. So, like, it's not even, <laughs> even the higher scale stuff that people look at and go, wow, that's amazing, they can do that. People can still, can still try it, like, might not do very well, it might hurt their neck, but like people can still try it. Whereas uh, you're not going to just going to go and buy yourself a BMX and just start trying, like you know, to go off a half pipe, back, back flips, yeah, yeah, yeah back yeah. flips or double tail yeah. whips or whatever, yeah, yes, yeah, so but it's definitely more accessible. Yeah, I think sometimes it's it's like because the the kind of examples I think are things like diving, for example. Like you you watch it and you can see these people like moving their body in such a way, and you just think, I just like I could jump off that, but I I don't your brain just can't compute how you can make your body do kind of these like movements right and and immediately there's that disconnect it's sort of well there's a skill they have that i don't have and and that's it and then you watch as you said like crossfit something like that and you're like oh well i can pick up a barbell i can move in this way you know i can climb a rope for example so you watch that on on tv or on youtube or whatever and you're like oh wow like you know i i get that but then you go and watch it live and you're like that that rope's it's a lot higher than it looks on TV or, you know, that, that, that looks kind of different. And that's where the in-person side of it comes across <clears> where you're like, Oh, actually watching it on TV is impressive, but the scope isn't quite there as in when I'm in person and I can see all the pieces of equipment and, Oh, actually that run, you know, like, Oh, that run doesn't look so. <laughs> so I was live streaming the, the events last weekend at the, Oh, sorry, two weekends ago at the, the British Masters Championship. And I was on like one side of the field or the other side of the field. And just for one, I was like, oh, I'm just going to follow them down on the sprint at the end. <laughs> and <laughs> you were fine. one of those cameraman guys, weren't you? Boston like, yeah. yeah, it was fine because they'd had to do three laps of this field with a sandbag and burpees in between. So I was able to keep up with them on the sprint finish. But running it i was like oh, it's actually it's further than it looks like the feel of it is more than just looking at it. and imagine just watching that on a screen you just don't feel it at all right it's it, you, it's it's you're more there than watching some 
high skilled sport that you just can't that there's a complete disconnect that's kind of the middle ground and then the live in person is where you really can feel it and you're like all right Mm. now i get it now i see how impressive this is some things are obviously still great to watch on tv but nothing beats being there in person because you've got the direction of the atmosphere you've got the direction of like you know if you're doing the same um using the same example football you're sitting in the front row and someone you know comes across and slide tackle someone and you hear the mm. crunch of the tackle you hear the shin guards getting hit you know you, you feel the spray of the ball coming off almost like if you're right there up close in person like you can see it when you're watching on tv you might you might wince but you actually feel it when you're there and i think that is the same like imagine when like part of and that fell off of the cargo net like obviously we all were like whoa but like if somebody was right there watching it at the side they would have heard the thud they would have been like oh like yeah that is that's more exciting and this year we're gonna have like people even tighter up close like the barriers will be right up tight to people so if you're in the end lane you could hopefully like almost touch the athlete that's, that's in that end lane and you know that's next to you so that it, it really compresses and bottles that atmosphere um, even more I really like the idea, though. So uh, having just said, I really like in person, the, like especially for something like one on the lock where you've got so much beautiful scenery, like drone footage of guys yeah. like running through the trail run and stuff must be, it must insert be looking. Exactly. It must be. But it must be amazing. Like just to see parts of Scotland that I've, yeah. I've never been to that particular spot. Yeah in you know and and to see where they're actually going where they're running and stuff it's just like it must just be it must just be epic obviously we have to do our best with what we've got so Mm. like we have as many photographers as we can you know afford and stuff on the day and then they all combine everything and we've got some amazing footage from it from it but that's all post so yeah like if you wanted to watch it it just depends on the demand you've also got to get to that level where there's enough demand that you people would actually tune in and watch um and I think that's where CrossFit being affiliated with CrossFit will make a big difference. Like if if CrossFit is announcing that there's an event on this weekend and you can watch it and it's also there's a link to it on the CrossFit Games website or whatever, like people are gonna more likely watch it. Whereas if it's just you posting your Instagram and your Facebook, you're relying on your own yeah. your own audience doing that. So so talking about the experience and then like the in-person live experience and Jason you've mentioned there and I guess this is me keeping an eye on the time for the episode and and thinking like what one one thing I wanted to make sure before we finish out the episode Jason is like this is your first experience like having a a role at a competition I think right so a media role so you've already taught there that you tried following them on the sprint and suddenly realized that was perhaps uh kind of more and you know to touch back on like Chase Ingram says like Oh, I do what they do, only slower. You know, I can lift a sandbag, but I can't lift a 125 kilo sandbag, right? So there's that yeah. relatability. Jason, what was the experience for you kind of like finally kind of combining a bit of the media, which you've been doing a long time, but at a live event? Um, it, yeah, it was it was interesting because it was one of those things where you I kind of like had an, I had different ideas of what, because there was, there was another guy just filming everything and doing the drones and all of that. There was a photographer there. And then I was just kind of there. I was supposed to be the more interactive person. Does that make sense? So I, in the lead up to the event, I'd done all this series of interviews with different athletes that were going to be there. And so this was supposed to be kind of a, but very quickly I realized that it wasn't going to work the way we'd maybe thought initially because it was too loud. 
it was it was too quick the changeover there were basically 19 heats because you had all the different age categories so it ran through the 19 heats you finished the 19th heat which was the oldest masters category there was maybe half an hour before starting heat one of the teens again and and running through that so um so in the end i i just started doing a lot the live feed and just following the athletes and then because we had quite there was quite a few there from malta some from ireland and they were you know their family and friends were back home that could, obviously couldn't travel because uh, of how difficult stuff was and uh, they were cheering them on on the live feed so then you know i could grab quick little interviews with people or just sort of say look look you got you know, all these people cheering for you at home, anything you want to say to them. And it, it was nice. Um, and it also at times felt like I was wasting my time. Like, you know, what's the point? I'm not getting these huge numbers of people watching it or getting involved. And then I think Saturday night, somebody sent some messages to the organizers just saying, you know, we're really grateful for the live feed because my mother at home in New Zealand was able to watch it and this and that. And, um, and then through the rest of this week, I've been getting messages from people and somebody was saying, you know, it made us feel like real athletes. You know, it was really, so especially for the teens, like, you know, mm. they're just coming up in this, but they've never had this kind of experience. <clears throat> so it was really nice. I, I, I think it was more nice. It was nice for me, but I think it was just nice for them to, um, and I've been like posting up little clips kind of nonstop since I've got back, not just of people who won, but just of anybody I've got a bit of stuff of because everybody worked really hard to get there. And they all worked really hard. And it's kind of, you know, we were very critical, some of us more critical than others, but we were quite critical about the CrossFit Games this year. And like, unless you were first, we didn't even know you were on the field. Like it was mm. the same people highlighted all the time. You know, like Mike Catras tells us he went to the games. I've not seen him there. Let's be honest. Where was it? <laughs> it was behind that, it was behind that flag. <laughs> so, you know, I would be obviously focusing on who was in first. But sometimes on the other side, there's someone who hasn't yet finished the first sort of set of movements. And you, know, you kind of make sure to go back and get them just because everyone, you know, everyone was there. Everyone had worked hard to get there. They were having a good time. It was a really nice experience, but it was exhausting <laughs> because mm. I didn't even get to stop for lunch because I literally worked mm. from the moment <laughs> I stepped in, ran through 19 heats. You know, I realized judges do it in shifts. But I hadn't I hadn't thought, you know, there was nobody there to to yeah. swap with. <laughs> so I yeah. just anyway. and, and I think you make a really good point there that it, it can be like competitions, events are exhausting, not just for those competing, right? It's all different, right? I'm I'm sure uh Kyle for yourself as well as the uh director there, it must have been bloody non-stop for more than just the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I was just laughing there when he was saying that. Seemed like they just did running things in heats. It's like, yeah, the, the, the director doesn't get any doesn't, doesn't get shifts. It was just the whole time. Yeah, like it's uh, is the most exhausting weekend ever. Like, but all the work and all the stress, I would say is all in the lead up if you've done it right. Like on the weekend, I think people were surprised at how relaxed I appeared. I probably I wasn't really inside, but like I think mentally at that point, if something goes wrong, it's more like putting out fires or dealing with something that's happening, you know, there and then in front of you. Whereas if it's something that happens that you've not thought about or it's like too late, it doesn't matter. Like you've not got time to fix it. There was a pretty much, there was a cutoff point probably, whether it was two weeks, one week before, but it's like at this point, there's not really anything I can do. So if I've, if I've not got this or I've not got that, 
I can't, there's no point worrying about it because it's too late now to do it. And obviously on the weekend, that's even more the case. Um, don't get me wrong, like we had, I had five tonne of, five tonne of kiln dried sand booked in to be delivered at nine o'clock on the thir- uh, Thursday for us to, the full squad to sit and fill like a hundred odd sandbags <laughs> with like five tonne of kiln dried sand and it never appeared. Um, and we honestly like trying to get, get five tonne of kiln dried sand at the last minute. Um, apparently they'd sold the stuff that we'd bought and not realised they'd double sold it. Um, never let us know, you know, and I think I managed to get a hold of them about half past ten. They said they would try and find some, but more likely it wouldn't be there for the Sunday. So we, I ended up getting like a local company to bring in like um, like builder sand, and it was it was wet. So trying to fill the sandbags with wet sand, it was just taking oh. forever, and it was a nightmare. And then uh, we managed to get them to source bags and like the other side of Scotland, and they went and collected them for us. Like so, yeah, but there is stuff like that that can go wrong. And you have to deal with it there and then on the day, but those are just unexpected things. You can't you can't plan for them. You just do your best to have a contingency for as much as you can. But on the weekend, yeah, it's just like I think I said already. Like I was up at five o'clock running up the hill to set that bit. And there's probably, I mean, there's definitely stuff that I need to learn to be more like to delegate more and have like. But it was just me. Most most big events like the, to the size of the event that we had, there's a full team of folk. But it was basically just me. Like I had. There was one girl that helped me with, you know, a few emails, some admin at one point. Um, mm. <laughs> like my wife done fulfilled some of the merch stuff on on like the website, but other than that, it literally everything was just me that done done it all. So like this year, I've taken a, a last year, and who's hopefully going to you know help us out a bit more, especially as it grows. If you double the amount of athletes, you're going to have to have multiple events happening yep. at the same time. You can't physically just logistics wise like have that you know grow in terms of numbers of competitors. When you've still only got two days, and if you want everyone to compete over the two days, there's only so many hours in a day. So you're going to have to have events overlapping and, you know, stuff like that. So it becomes more and more complex. So that's how it's going to have to be this year. And, but, I'm, you know, I'm excited about it. It's, it's, it's fine. Like, um, But on the weekend, I, it's just like, I think on on the, uh, the Monday or the Tuesday, so the Monday we finished up getting everything organised. And then I think we had either said on the Monday or the Tuesday, if you know with lot and leisure and with people being there anyway, I was like, oh, why don't we should test some of the events for next year? Because I've already had all the programming written for next for, for twenty twenty two, and uh, <laughs> it was the most ambitious thing I think I've ever said. The most naive and ambitious thing. Like on the Monday, I literally as soon as we got all the stuff away that needed to go away, so I was still <laughs> cleaning up the field on the Monday. But by the Monday afternoon, when I was back to like, I think actually it was Conor McGregor fight was on that weekend. Um, so me and my brother-in-law sat in the room, sat in the uh in the 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 lodge that we had on the Monday afternoon once I was away and we started watching the, the fight and I, I don't think I made it through the pre- prelims I was just passed out just like <laughs> slept for about four hours and woke up and then went to sleep again it was just I was exhausted but I, it's it's worth it it is worth it like when you see how happy everyone is some of the some of the comments we had we had that a couple of athletes who like sent you know must have found my address and sent stuff to us like flowers and chocolates and stuff to say thanks and all this and it's like it's crazy like and uh i don't know this is probably not really part of the the, uh the the podcast but we had a we had a woman there who was uh who actually went through cancer like and from signing up in 2019 for the 2021 then obviously not happening because of covid she then got diagnosed with breast cancer 
but then like she kept training through her treatment despite the doctor saying she should, she should you know ease off and then uh that was her like she said her goal was always like to, to qualify for one in the lock and compete and be fit enough to compete one in the lock and it was like what like i just put on this like crossfit competition basically like and uh, you know to, to hear wee things like that it, it, it's mental it, like the fact that folk are doing you know so Aye, it's exhausting, but it's definitely worth it seeing it all come together and having a vision and then watching it all come together is cool. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like I say, you know, you've, you've shared one specific example there of an, of an individual who it means a, a lot for them. And I'm sure there yeah. are many, you know, many examples of people it being a personal challenge for them in many different ways. And you, I think you've said it perfectly there that it's, it, it's worth it. Um, and hopefully those that have listened have are, are kind of inspired to getting involved in events in some shape or form, whether it be competing or spectating or helping out. Uh, the, the registration for qualifiers for next year is already open, so go on and sign up for next year um, and see you there. If, if, if you don't make it in, it's, gonna, it's still like an amazing weekend. There's going to be so much to do this year as well. Um, more and more interactive stuff for people to do actually at the festival for spectators, um, even more stalls than we had this year um but at big brands and stuff going to be there like kind of give too much away now but like some of the stuff that we have planned like we we had the massive if you'll see it in some of the footage and hopefully if we can get this edited in and show some of the stuff like we had obviously the big highland games field where we had everything in there but we have taken like a second field across the river so we're going to have basically double the size of the space for next year and have events happening in that field like some crazy stuff planned kyle thanks very much for joining us on the the, the plate stack again jason sam great chatting with you as always and uh we'll finish with a a shout out um which i think jason's got one again well it one is it's it's not so much shout to the person because we keep shouting out this person it's more to the concept because barbara that sam has shouted out a couple of times she has been what she's been doing is adding to the conversation. So she, after listening to the episodes, she sent messages or like posts up on her stories with kind of a whole paragraph of text. You don't all have to do that, but just adding kind of her thoughts on what we were talking about. And that's really nice. And, you know, if people want to do that, because probably we'll have an episode down the line where we go back on some of these topics and we can bring out different things people have said or, or ideas that have come across. So she's getting a, a more shout out for what she's doing, less than who she is, but. Well, she's had the who she is one as well. The other person I thought I should shout out on this episode um, is based on a comment Tom made to me earlier about making sure that my ears were sharp enough for, for Carl's appearance on the podcast, which I said, <laughs> hey, I trained with Scottish Derek for years, so he has prepared me for this. So why not give a, a shout out to, to Scottish Derek, who even though he's left CrossFit Bath, still listens to both podcasts, this and CrossFit Bath podcast. So a big and shout yourself, out to Scottish Derek. On yourself. <laughs> so tell, <laughs> tell me, did you could you understand me? Because this is my posh voice. This is me putting on my posh voice. <laughs> this is me slowing right down. Yeah. Uh, it's perfect for me. Brilliant. So right, you know, okay. your your efforts are your efforts are uh, much appreciated. If, if, you know, and and not noticeable either. So there we go. Right, that's good. Okay. Uh, gents, brilliant chatting to you all. Have a great rest of the week and speak to you all soon.